Heavenly Father, there are so many things that we could choose to build our lives on. Um, we could choose to build it on reputation or uh, our abilities or our skills uh, or our position in society. But God, you invite us to build our lives on something that is sure and that does not change, and that's your love. And so, uh, Father, this morning I pray you would help each of us, your love, us that, that would be the thing that is the undergirding uh, principle of our lives and that, that moves us forward in a relationship with you and a relationship with others. We pray those things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. Uh, it's good to have people here in the building this morning. Uh, thanks for those, to those of you who are joining us online. Uh, we're glad that you're here as well. Uh, we haven't had a chance to do this yet this morning, so I want to give you all a chance to say hi to one another, which means if you're in the room, uh, I'd like you to stand and wave to those around you. Uh, if you feel comfortable with the elbow bump, go for it. Uh, online, if you want to just in the chat say hello to one another, that would be awesome. Good morning. So, uh, clearly, I'm not Pastor Tim. Uh, my name is Brent Watson. For those of you who don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here at New Covenant, and I'm happy to be filling in for Tim this week. Uh, he's in Texas visiting family, and so we hope he's getting some much-needed family time. Uh, this morning, I want to start with the idea that perspective is a really powerful thing. Uh, it has the potential to change the way that we live our lives. Uh, how we view the world around us uh, affects the choices that we make, uh, the decisions day in and day out that we make, and eventually those things shape how we live our lives. And so it seems like having an accurate perspective on life, a, a true perspective, uh, one that's based in truth, would be super important. Uh, to illustrate this, uh, I've recently been reading through the Chronicle of Narnia series uh, with my youngest daughter, Phoebe, at bed. Uh, and clearly it's about a boy uh, whose name is Shasta, and apparently he is an orphan with a mysterious past, and he ends up being raised by a very cruel uh, and harsh uh, fisherman in a land that is not his own. And at some point uh, early in the story, Shasta is given the opportunity to run away uh, from his cruel master, and so he teams up with a talking horse, and they run away, and they have all sorts of adventures. And uh, on their adventures, Shasta keeps running into all sorts of people who, from his perspective, are, are more than or better than him. Uh, he sees himself as this poor fisher boy, but he keeps running into princes and kings and nobility and people who just seem to be higher in society than he is. And and regularly, you see his alert, uh, if you haven't read the book yet, towards the end of the book, uh, Shasta actually discovers that he is, in truth, the long-lost son of a king from another neighboring country. And when he learns this truth, it completely changes how he sees himself. It starts to change everything for him, because his perspective on the world is not what it was before. He's now somebody totally different than he thought he was. He's the child of a king. And I believe that for those of us who are followers of Jesus, if we can begin to have an accurate perspective on what it means to be one of Jesus' followers, then that accurate perspective, Tim opened our series on the book of Ephesians, by looking at the idea that uh, that's such an important thing, is that it's thinking uh, well in it. Uh, it's being the overwhelming voice in our lives. Uh, we need God's truth to echo so loudly in our lives that it drowns the sound. So, <clears throat> again, the idea here is being grounded in God's truth is the first part of learning to live well in his kingdom. And interestingly, uh, the book of Ephesians is actually organized completely around this principle. Uh, the first three chapters, Paul's going to spend uh, listing a whole bunch of truths or talking about a whole bunch of things that are true 
about people who follow Jesus. And then in the second half of the book, the last three chapters, he's going to talk about what the life that those truths inform should look like. This is what the new kind of life that we're to live in light of the truths that he's going to give us. And so this idea of uh, right living comes from right thinking is all over the book of Ephesians. And we're going to even see some of that today. Uh, so last week we looked at this long list of things that were true about who God is, the one who drew us into a relationship with his friends in Ephesus have started to become participators in those truths because they have begun a relationship with Christ as well. Uh, today we're going to look at the next section, which is one of Paul's prayers for the Ephesians. There's at least two prayers in the book of Ephesians. Uh, and his prayer is inspired uh, by this truth that his friends in Ephesus have begun following Jesus. They have genuine faith in Christ. Uh, and we read about this in verses 15 and 16 of chapter 1. So if you've got a Bible or a tablet or a phone, uh, go ahead and, and turn there. Uh, but here's what we And your love for all God's people. Uh, Paul's grateful other followers of Jesus. And in verse 17, we see this. Paul says, I keep asking so that you may know him better. The phrase, uh, so that. Uh, anytime you see those words in Scripture, it should send a little bell off in your mind. Uh, because the writer is getting ready to tell you the reason or the why behind he's writing, or in this case, praying, what they're writing or praying. So this is, this is the important bit. And Paul tells us that his purpose uh, in praying is that the Ephesians might know God better. And that sounds wonderful. Uh, the kind of knowing he's talking about, though, is not just a, an informational kind of knowing. Uh, he doesn't want them to just have more uh, facts about God bouncing around in their mind. He wants them to know him in a personal way, uh, a relational way, like you in the Bible. In the Old Testament, uh, it looks a little bit differently in the times before Jesus. Uh, often we see God coming to a handful or, or one specific person in any period of time, and with that person, he has kind of a face-to-face -face, uh, friend relationship with them, and, and that individual takes his experiences uh, with God, and he shares them with others so that people can start to know God as well, even if it feels like maybe it's secondhand or, or at a distance. But when Jesus comes on the scene, he changes everything in that regard. Uh, first of all, he starts teaching his followers that when they pray, they're to address God as Father. And as you know, Father's a relational term. It's a, it implies close personal relationship. Uh, Jesus is setting up this kind of parent-child relationship between God. And the thing that happened is because of what Jesus did at the cross uh, to pay for the sin of human beings, he was able to restore relationship between God and humans in such a way that a close friendship to you, the prophets, or the, the that's what Jesus makes it. So with that being his general Ephesians to know, he, they would change their know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Uh, the knowing of truth that he's talking about comes as the eyes of our hearts are enlightened. And in the ancient world, uh, the heart was the seat of thought and decision-making as well as feelings. Uh, Today, when we talk about the heart, we think about more how we feel. Uh, but in the ancient world, it included things deep down in their soul. This name is uh, God. And so that's what the calling hammer in last week. And in that passage, we saw that the God who we're invited to relate to uh, is one who blesses us with every spiritual blessing that we could ever need. Uh, he chose us to be with him despite our tendency to want to run away from him. 
He adopted us as his children and made us a part of his eternal family. He redeemed us through the blood of his son, and he offers us forgiveness of sin. So this is the God that has called us into relationship with us, and this is the one that Paul wants us to think about when we think about the, the glory of being called into relationship with him. And knowing who God is, that he's done all these things for us, uh, are things... Are things that Paul says should give us hope in our relationship with him. This is not just some perspective uh, in him, and that should give us hope in our relationship with him. So that's the person that God has called us uh, into relationship with, and Paul wants his readers to know the wonderful hope of this calling deep down in their souls that will begin to change the way they think and eventually the way that they live. Of his glorious inheritance and his holy people. Uh, so if the first truth that he wanted us to know had to do with our relationship with God now, the second truth, the one that we're going to look at now, has to do with what God has inherited with his holy people. And there's a couple of different ways that that phrase can be taken, according to uh, commentators. The first uh, is sort of the Old Testament uh, view of it, where uh, the people of God are seen as God's inheritance, as in his inheritance. And what that means is that uh, when the end of time comes and eternity begins, his people will be the thing that he cherishes and values most for all of eternity. It's the prize that he gets at the end of time, which is his truths that, that many New Testament writers uh, bear out, which is that now, because of what Jesus has done, uh, the followers of Christ today are the new people of God for all eternity. That there's actually an and this I first Peter chapter one both talk about it be uh, it for sure includes at least two things. Uh, the first is that we will be spending eternity in the presence of God forever. And the second is that we will finally be transformed in our character into Christ. God imagined in his mind that we would be when he created us uh, without sin. So here's the deal. Either way that you take that phrase, it's good news for those of us who follow Jesus. Either we're going to be cherished with God and others... Uh, without the hindrance of sin and in the way that we were ultimately designed to do so. Uh, so either way is good news. And my hunch is that some of the vagueness uh, in the, the New Testament writings that Paul wants his readers to know about, uh, he wants them to think about that uh, in eternity. That's what's coming for them. Uh, the third thing that Paul prays, great power for those who believe out there and then moved on. Uh, evidently through 23, we read this. That power, the power of God, uh, is the same as the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. <clears throat> all right, so Again, Paul gets kind of wordy there, but what he wants his readers to know is that the power of God that's in work in the lives of all the, who follow Jesus is the same power that he used when he rolls crime in all eternity. You know, <clears throat> that's easy to say, but when we stop and think about it, that is no small thing. Uh, no one or anything that we are aware of has the power to conquer death, to raise someone from the dead. Work in the lives of his readers. <clears throat> and uh, here, here's my guess, is that when his readers hear that, can see 
like it's small. It's that Paul was aware of that. Paul doesn't shame them. Like all of us, Paul says just readers, things are going on in your life. Take advantage of it. And I think we should take the passage that same way. We shouldn't be discouraged that we don't see as much power of God in our lives as we would like. We should be encouraged that that power, I think that's what he would want for us. So uh, I know often our progress in our development of character and our, and our faith can seem slow, uh, but we don't need to be discouraged because there's a power available to us, the power that raised Jesus. The other thing that we learn when Paul talks about this power uh, at work in us is that the issues in our lives, or maybe to use some Bible language, the sin that uh, so easily trips us up. Uh, I think one of the songs we sang earlier, the word strong to hold stuck. Uh, often when we talk about them with others, we talk about them, I'll be able to conquer those things. And those issues in our lives are not nearly the small, I can handle it kind of things that we want to think that they are. They're actually huge issues. And they'll see progress or victory over those things. Okay. So, <clears throat> In one sense, that's very humbling to us. I think we'd all like to think we've made more progress in the faith than we have, um, or that the things that we deal with are going to be easier to conquer than they are. The reality is, though, that takes readers to know is that that power that's needed to affect change in our lives is available to us. Uh, for anyone who follows Jesus, the power that raised Christ from the dead is available to us to see these things change. So, uh, if it seems like sometimes it makes sense, this is no small thing that you're trying to see change in your life. And it, it makes sense that it would take a while. Uh, the good news is that God really wants to see change there. And he's provided the very power that it's going to take to see that change to you. The power that raised Jesus. Much more in this prayer that if we had time, we could dig into. I feel like we kind of only scratch the surface. But to change our perspective, change begin to happen in our lives. I'm in a relationship with him that, uh, that we would know God. And in order to do that, he prayed. Uh, so if you can know these three things deep down in your soul, it'll begin to change how you see yourself. It'll begin to change why you make decisions. And eventually, over time, those decisions will be different. He doesn't want us to be like the boy Shasta in the story who saw himself as just a a poor fisherman's boy, but he wants us to see us for who we really are, which, interestingly enough, is children. Uh, Paul says we can begin to experience change in our perspective as well. So what does that look like for us? Well, my guess is that uh, for most of us, we've probably experienced some of these truths to one degree or another uh, in lives at some point lives than we currently are. Uh, and the good news is that we can. Paul says that we can pray these things that he's prayed for the Ephesians for ourselves. And so, uh, I want to ask you guys to do a couple things this week. First, I want to ask you, uh, I know I've been talking of reading and praying, so I'd like to know these truths. Uh, there's no reason that we shouldn't share things for uh, every day, it up a notch, but I want you to, uh, from my own experience, the quickest and energy to memorize. College friends, and we were on the way home from a, a spring break mission trip in Florida. We we're driving back to Kansas, and somehow I got the early through northern Alabama, and at one point, I realize, well, one of the guys in the car is still asleep, but everybody else has got their Bibles open, and I can tell they're reading the scriptures, and they're spending time praying. And I thought to myself, oh, man, that's kind of a bummer. I would like to be doing that, but I'm stuck. driving my paper Bible open in front of me in order to experience the Word of God, because uh, I had just spent the prior month uh, memorizing some parts of Romans chapter 8, and I thought, 
I've got the scriptures in my mind. I can experience 20 minutes time. So with my eyes firmly fixed on the road, I assure you, uh, I was going over some of these passages in Romans 8 that I've been memorizing for the last month or so. And as I did that, God brought some phrases from those passages to the forefront of my mind, and they began to become the food for prayer that morning. I had the sense of, oh my gosh, that was an incredibly rich time connecting with God. But it only happened because I'd taken time to memorize some passages of Scripture beforehand. And so my encouragement to you is that if these are three truths that would be all the way wanted us to get those deep down in our souls as well. Uh, <clears throat> Paul's uh, goal in praying for his readers uh, in this passage was that they would have hope in their relationship with Jesus. And my prayer for you guys today is that you would have hope in yours as well. Father God, thank you uh, for your words for his readers in Ephesus. And thank you that they're the kind of things that, that, that can change our perspective, how we see ourselves uh, how we make choices, and how we ultimately live our lives. And so, Father, I pray uh, for myself and through uh, go deep down into our hearts and our minds and our souls, and they would be things that start to shape how we see ourselves as your followers, as your children, uh, that they would change how we flex that we are your children, uh, that we live uh, on the foundation of your love, and that you are the one who is the center of our lives. Uh, God, thanks that you want all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.